نحمده ونصلي ونسلم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد رسوله النبي الأمين المكين الحنين الكريم الرؤوف الرحيم أما بعد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم respected and honorable guests al-shaykh as'ad muhammad saeed as-sagharji damat barakatuhu and al-munshid al-kabir al-shaykh abdur rahman al-hammami al-shami wa ibni as-salih معاذ النس and dear sisters and brothers and daughters and sons and the great travelers in the path of Allah and the path of holy prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam riding on the camel of love and hoping some for the drops of divine wine of his genosis is marifa and his nearness and i hope almighty allah by his grace and blessings will take you to the destination in this life and in life hereafter which you want just if you keep yourself firm stable and continuously stuck to this great cause of islam the great mission of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam with piety and purity and sincerity and weariness and fearing all times from god almighty Alhamdulillah ta'ala we are starting this second discourse from the life and the work of Sayyidina al-Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala His name is Abu Abdullah Muhammad bin Ismail بن ابراہیم بن مغیرہ اینڈ ہی واز بورن ان بخارا ان ون ہنڈریڈ اینڈ نائنٹی فور آفٹر جمعہ پریئر in the month of shawal 
and he died in 256 in a village known as Khartanka near the city of Samarkand that is now in Uzbekistan and that was the night of Eid al-Fitr and he was buried after Salatul Eid al-Fitr after Salat al-Zuhur during his childhood he lost his eyesight he became blind i will give you some important references of his life and some more relevant i will throw light on some more relevant aspects of his life and works so that we may proceed on to the study of sahih al bukhari some important aspects from the life of imam al bukhari are very significant to know so that you may properly appreciate the reality of his work and the reality of his aqeedah and his personality imam bukhari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu is one of those great authorities of muslim ummah who are in some of our circles wrongly known who have been misinterpreted who have been misquoted who have been misunderstood he is one of them this is a statement which i have made and i hope inshallah taala you will clearly understand the truthfulness of this state and correctness of this state when you will go through the study of ahadith of sahih bukhari so he became blind in his childhood his mother was a great saint of her time she was a waliya kamila with miracles with karamat she was praying to almighty allah so she saw Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhisalam in her dream. So this is you can say the beginning of his academic life which starts from a spiritual dream. There are many people who claim to own Imam Bukhari and still they make joke of dreams. They own Imam Bukhari and they make joke of dreams and they do not believe in the spiritual dreams and their effects 
and they do not believe in the real blessings which can be achieved and attained through dreams. So his mother saw Sayyidina Ibrahim Khalilullah alayhi salam in her dream and he gave her the good news that because of your supplications Almighty Allah has returned the nur of your son has returned the eyesight of your son this bishara the good news was given to her that night in her dream when she got up early in the morning she saw that imam bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala was healthy his eyesight had already returned been returned then he started in his early age when he was about 10 or 11 he started his journeys going to his shuyukh and teachers for islamic studies and the studies of hadith and tafsir and the classical sciences of that time when imam e azam abu hanifa he died in 180 150 44 years before the birth of Imam Bukhari Imam Azam Abu Hanifa had died so he personally couldn't see him and couldn't receive knowledge from him but Imam Bukhari received knowledge and hadith Imam Bukhari received from at least 40 students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa the total number of shuyukh of Imam Bukhari goes up to 1080 he studied under 1080 and studying in those days under someone meant that he received a hadith he received knowledge and they became his shuyukh he heard from them the hadith of holy prophet and received from them and the knowledge was transmitted to him through the proper chain so normally this link was known to be the shaykh so he had 1080 shuyukh and out of them about 40 were the students of imam azam abu hanifa so in this regard imam bukhari stands as a grand student of imam azam abu hanifa he becomes his grand sheikh some of them were directly students of imam abu hanifa and some of them were the students of students of imam abu hanifa they were students of imam abu yusuf and students of imam muhammad bin hasan shaibani the two top eminent students of imam azam abu hanifa some were their students 
and some were students of other students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. If you want to know the details of this subject and you want to study this aspect in detail, you can have the my detailed two lectures which I delivered probably last year, one in Jame Masjid Ghamkol in Birmingham on the subject of Imam al-Aimma fil Hadith, Imam Abu Hanifa wa Imam al-Aimma fil Hadith. This was my first discourse of about three hours. And the second discourse was in Lahore. The, sep the, chap the subject matter of Lahore lecture is different from there, from the Birmingham one. So if you put both lectures together, it, it is about six to seven hours substance on Imam al-Azam, Imam al-Aimma fil Hadith. So I have spent about more than one hour or one and a half hour on this particular point that what is the link of Imam Bukhari with Imam Abu Hanifa. And which are the chains through which he becomes the grand student of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. So I have established this fact through hundreds of books of Asma ur Rijal and hundreds of references of Muhaddisin and Aymatul Jarhevat Tadim. Imam Bukhari's father had died when he was too young. And his name was Ismail bin Ibrahim. He couldn't receive the direct knowledge from his father too. But he left some of his books, his manuscripts, the same kind of collections of ahadis and traditions and compendium of knowledge, classical knowledge in the form of traditions, transmissions, ahadis, sunnah, which he received and collected from his shuyukh in the form of written manuscripts he left in his house which were inherited and possessed by Imam Bukhari. So he received the knowledge of his father rather I would say he received the knowledge of the shuyukh of his father through the books and records and documents and collections which he left for his son. In Usulul Hadith, this is known as Vijada. Al-Vijada. There are eight ways of transmission of Hadith. Eight different modes of transmission, different modes of receiving the Hadith and receiving Al-Ilm, the receiving the knowledge from the Shaykh. Eight different modes. One is Sima, hearing from Sheikh. Other is Qiraat, reading before Sheikh. So this way, one is Ijaza, getting permission. So of these eight ways, one is Vijada. If Sheikh gives you something in a written form, if you receive a document from your sheikh, receive a collection from your sheikh, a compendium, a letter, 
any written record which contains the ahadith and riwayat and ilm and you read it but you personally didn't meet your sheikh so this link of wijada is an established and approved mode of reception and transmission so you become the student and he becomes your sheikh in this way let me tell a very significant point very interesting point of ma'rifatu makanat rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam all of us are the students of al-shaykh al-azam sayyidina muhammadun an-nabiy al-habib al-mustafa sallallahu ta'ala alaihi wasallam because we are receiving his ilm and his knowledge through his books of ahadith through the chains of narrators chains of narrators and if you remind me don't let me forget in the end last session i will read the chain of transmission right from myself up to holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so that all of you may get connected with the chain of authority and chain of transmission with holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so umma is already receiving from holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but a very interesting and significant point which i want to elaborate is that the umam as-sabiqa bani israil al-yahud wan nasara those people who used to read torah and gospel they were also students of prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was their sheikh too although physically holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was not born their period they lived thousands year before holy prophet was physically born body i would say bodily born because spiritually he was there spiritually he was born before the whole universe was born so before the physical birth of holy prophet sallallahu thousand years before the umam the nations and communities and the prophets and the messengers who received the divinely revealed books from almighty allah all of them became students of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam now you may ask how what is the evidence of this thing evidence of connection this specific connection that holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was their sheikh too so the evidence is in holy quran it is stated allazina yattabi'una rasulan nabi al ummi allazi yajidunahu maktuban indahum fit tawrati wal injil yajidunahu maktuban al wijada mustambatun min yajidunahu maktuban indahum fit tawrati wal injil that those who obey and follow the messenger of allah and the prophet of allah who didn't study under any person in this world he studied just under almighty allah this is the meaning of ummi 
you know ummi doesn't mean illiterate or ignorant this is totally wrong to say totally wrong to say to translate he may be any translator you may find dozens of english translation writing ignorant and illiterate totally wrong and rubbish ummi the world ummi through its root words does not indicate in any way in any sense towards ignorance or illiteracy the word ummi means technically the one who did not study under any teacher who did not study in any school who did not study any book from any teacher the prevalent ways of studying who did not adopt the prevalent ways of studying from people he is the ummi and the one who does not study from the people and he gives knowledge to the whole humanity so there should be some teacher for him too so quran says how can one say that he is mazalla illiterate when quran says allamaka ma lam takun ta'lam bakana fadlullah alayka azima how can be illiterate quran says i taught you allah taught you and allah inculcated the whole knowledge into you and he gave you the knowledge of each and everything which you did not know before allamaka ma lam takun ta'lam and quran says arrahmanu allama alquran khalaqa linsan allamahu albayan and quran says wa yuallimukum ma lam takunu ta'lamun he teaches you how can an illiterate teach the people how can an illiterate teach the people yuallimukum ma lam takunu ta'lamun so ummi means the one who studied just under allah who was taught by almighty allah and there was no one in this world who could teach him he is the ummi so i was telling so that through vijada the umma umam of ancient times also became the students and recipients of prophet's knowledge and we also became the recipients of prophet's knowledge through our shuyukh chain of shuyukh chain of transmitters so in this way imam bukhari became the grand student of imam azam abu hanifa sometimes with between him and imam azam there was one sheikh sometimes two shuyukh he died his father when he was young his father imam ibrahim imam ismail bin ibrahim was also amongst the aimma of hadith <laughs> the great authorities on asma'ur rijal and tabaqatul muhaddisin they have written his name in the tabaqatul muhaddisin he was among the aimma of hadith he studied the father of imam bukhari studied under various shuyukh and the prominent of all those shuyukhs are three the prominent shuyukh of the father of imam bukhari are 3 one is imam abdullah bin mubarak 
He is Shaykh of Imam Ismail bin Ibrahim al-Bukhari. Second is Imam Hamad bin Zaid. Imam Hamad bin Zaid. And the third is Imam Malik bin Anas. Ismail bin Ibrahim bin Mughira al-Bukhari, father of Imam Bukhari, studied under these three shuyukh. Now let me tell who these three shuyukh are. Imam Bukhari himself says in At-Tariqul Kabir, but these were shuyukh of my father. Imam Bukhari wrote a book At-Tariqul Kabir and At-Tariqul Saghir. In his book At-Tariqul Kabir, he himself says these are the shuyukh of my father. And other a'immah on Tabaqatul Muhaddisin and on Asma'ul Rijal, they also mentioned the same names. Now, I want to tell who are these three shuyukh, Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak and Imam Hamad bin Zaid. This kitab, Jame Bayanul Ilm, he writes, on page 289, he says, the one whose name I mentioned yesterday. He says about Al Imam Abu Hanifa. Abu Hanifa, Rawa Anhu Thawri, Wa Ibn Al Mubarak, Wa Hamad Ibn Zaid. Bahushain, Wabaki bin al Jarrah, Wakaza Bakaza, Wava Yakul, Wahova Sikatun Laba Sabi. Imam Ali bin al Madini says that Imam Azam Abu Hanifa was Sika. And Imam Ali bin al Madini is Imam of Hadith and not Imam of Fiqh. When a, this is a principle, when a Muhaddis says he is Sika, it means he is Sika in Hadith. And he says that Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak was student of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. And Hamad bin Zaid also was student of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. Keeping this in your mind, that two out of three prominent and eminent shuyukh of Imam Bukhari's father are the eminent and prominent students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. Moreover, this is another book in my hand, and this is written, this name is Al Intiqa Fi Fadail Al Aimatis Salasatil Fuqaha. Al-Intiqa is sufficient name, Al-Intiqa. Written by Imam Abu Umar bin Abdul Bar al-Undulasi. Maruf Imam Ibn Abdul Bar, Sahibul Istiab. One of the famous, unanimously known, greatest authority of Islamic history. On Asma'ul Rijal. 
امام ابن عبد البر اینڈ یو نو آل دیز ریفرنسز وچ یو آر گیٹنگ فرام قرتبا اور اندلس آل دیز آر نان ایربس اشیخ ساغر جی اینڈ اشامی دا پیپل آف شام اوریجنلی ور نان ایربس دے بیکیم ایربس آفٹر دوز لینڈز وار کیپچرڈ اسلام واز پروپیگیٹڈ ٹو دیم the egypt the iraq all these countries were some of them were under the kustuntunia uh, and under the byzantine empire and some of them were under the faris and some of faris and some of them were under iranian empire so this was how the springs and fountains of islamic knowledge they were spreading knowledge all over the world which they got from makkah and madina al munawwara from haramain Imam Ibn Abdul Bar, he says in his book Al-Intiqa, page 201, he writes about Imam Abu Hanifa, he writes about Hamad bin Zayd. Hamad bin Zayd. He says, وَرَوَى Imam Ibn Abdul Bar says, وَرَوَى حَمَّادُ بْنُ زَيْد عَنْ أَبِي حَنِيفَةَ أَحَادِيثَ كَسِيرَةً Some people may say that he might have heard or listened or received some of the fiqh knowledge from Imam Abu Hanifa. Those who don't believe that Imam Azam Abu Hanifa was Imam in Hadith, they may say he was just Imam of fiqh. Maybe these people, they received some knowledge of fiqh. That is wrong. Imam Ibn Abdul Bar says, روا حماد بن زيد عن ابي حنيفه احاديث كثيره لارج نمبر اوف احاديث هي ريسيفد فروم امام ابو حنيفه اند هي ترانسميتس ثرو هيم هي ترانسميتس ا لارج نمبر اوف حديث ثرو امام ابو حنيفه اند ذا سيم اباوت امام عبد الله بن مبارك امام عبد الله بن مبارك was a follower of al-Mazhab al-Hanafi and he used to give fatwa according to Hanafi Mazhab because he was a staunch follower of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa and Hanafi. <coughs> and Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak says لا رأيت أحدا أقل من أبي حنيفة This is what Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak said. And somebody criticized Imam Abu Hanifa in his sitting, sitting of Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak, criticized Imam Abu Hanifa. قَتَّعَنَا رَجُلٌ فِي مَجْلِسِهِ عَلَىٰ بِي حَنِيفَةً فَقَالَ لَوْ اسْكُتْ وَاللَّهِ لَوْ رَأَيْتَ أَبَا حَنِيفَةً لَرَأَيْكَ أَكْلًا وَنُبْلًا Keep quiet. You haven't seen who was Imam Abu Hanifa. If you had seen him, you would have found him right from his head to feet, the whole perfect intellect. And he was the follower of Imam Azam, student and follower. 
So, out of three shuyukh of Imam Ismail bin Ibrahim bin Mughira, the father of Imam Bukhari, out of three, two of them, the prominent ones, were the students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So in this way, Imam Bukhari, through his father, through the chain of his father, Antariqe Walidihi, he becomes grand student of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. His father is student of Imam Hamad bin Zaid, and Hamad bin Zaid is the student of Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Bukhari's father is student of Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak, and he is student of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. So this is the link, along with many other chains. I mentioned you 40 shuyukh of Imam Bukhari who were students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. And amongst them was Imam Abdul Razak also. And Imam Makki bin Ibrahim also. And Imam Dahak bin Mazahim, and Imam Dahak Abu Nail. Imam Dahak also. All those who transmitted a hadith, a sulasiyat. And Imam Bukhari received a sulasiyat from them. Imam Bukhari received a sulasiyat from them. Most of the shuyukh of Imam Bukhari in sulasiyat. Most of the shuyukh of Imam Bukhari, I'm saying in sulasiyat. They were students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. Imam Bukhari, the highest chain and the shortest chain of transmitters of Imam Bukhari, which you can say is the treasure of pride for Imam Bukhari in Al Jamia Sahih, a treasure of his pride. It is known as Asanadur Ali. That is where there are three shuyukh between Imam Bukhari and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa three. He transmitted it through a tabu tabi, and he received from a tabi, and he received from sahabi, and sahabi received from Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So there are three persons between Holy Prophet sallallahu and Imam Bukhari. This is Asanadul Ali, the highest ranking chain of Imam Bukhari, available in Sahih Bukhari, known as Sulasiyat, Sulasi, with three persons. This is the highest treasure of his pride. The total number which Imam of Sulasiyat, which Imam Bukhari transmitted, which Imam Bukhari narrated and reported in Sahih Bukhari, total number is 22. 22. And out of 22 sulasiyat, 20, 20 out of 22 has been transmitted to Imam Bukhari by the students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. 20 out of 22. And this is in Imam, this is in Al Jamia Sahil al Bukhari. 11 ahadith of As-Sulasiyat, 11, they have been reported to Imam Bukhari and transmitted to Imam Bukhari by 
مکی بن ابراہیم الیون آؤٹ آف ٹوینٹی ٹو مکی بن ابراہیم از امام بخاری شیخ ان سلاسیات اینڈ دس مکی بن ابراہیم از اے ڈائریکٹ اسٹوڈنٹ آف امام اعظم ابو حنیفہ نیکسٹ سکس احادیث آؤٹ آف ٹوینٹی ٹو ہیو بین ٹرانسمیٹڈ ٹو امام بخاری بائی امام ابو آسم ان نبیل ابدحاق سکس آؤٹ آف ٹوینٹی ٹو اسلاسیات ابو آسم ان نبیل ابدحاق از دا شیخ آف امام بخاری اینڈ ہی از اے ڈائریکٹ اسٹوڈنٹ آف امام ابو حنیفہ The reason why I am taking some time on this particular point is that those who claim to be the heirs of Imam Bukhari, the possessors of Imam Bukhari's knowledge, those who claim to be the owners of Sayyid Ilm of Al-Bukhari, and those who connect themselves with Jamia Sayyid Al-Bukhari, they are the deniers of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. They are the deniers of Aymatul Fiqh. They are deniers of Fiqh. Deniers of Aimma al-Fiqh. They are deniers of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. Rather, they don't have a good opinion about Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. That's why I am trying to explain what is the status, what is the station, what is the position of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa in the light of Jamia Sayyid al-Bukhari. So Abu Asim al-Nabil al-Dahaq, the transmitter of six as-sulasiyyat, is also a direct student of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. Then again, another transmitter of As-Sulasiyat in Sahih Bukhari is Muhammad bin Abdullah al-Ansari. He reported three ahadith As-Sulasiyat. And Muhammad bin Abdullah al-Ansari is a direct student of Imam Abu Yusuf and Imam Muhammad bin Hassan Shaibani. They both are the greatest students of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. So 11 by Makki bin Ibrahim, 6 by Abu Asim al-Dahaq, and 3 by Muhammad bin Abdullah Ansari. Total number becomes 20. So the total sulasiyat of Imam Bukhari, which is classically known to be the treasure of his pride, which is known to be the pride of Imam Bukhari in Jamia Sai, because Imam Muslim does not possess even a single sulasi. There is no hadith as sulasi with Imam Muslim. And probably only one is available to Imam Tirmazi. Probably. Then no sulasi with Imam Abu Dawood, no sulasi with Imam Nasai, no sulasi with Imam Ibn Majah. Among all Ashabu Sitta, this is the pride of Imam Bukhari, that he is so closer to Holy Prophet in his chain of transmitters, that he has only three persons between him and the Prophet and 22 is the number of his sulasiyat. That's why it is known that this is the pride of Imam Bukhari, As-Sanadul Ali. Now the question is, whom did Imam Bukhari receive this pride from? 
who are the persons who became the transmitters of this pride who are the persons who became the reasons of this pride who are the persons who became wasila of this pride wasila through whom he received this pride of sulasiyat total sulasiyat were 22 and 20 out of them has been translated to him by the students of imam azam abu hanifa radhiyallahu ta'ala an this is the pride of imam abu hanifa and pride of imam bukhari and link between them next imam bukhari started his traveling for rihla or rihlat le talab al hadith rihla for the collection of hadith when he was about 10 and he said he went to makkah for receiving hadith he went to madina he went to sham syria from bukhara he received from bukhara his country he went to marwa he went to balkh you just imagine afghanistan here he used to collect the ahadith of holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because the great sources of the transmission of hadith used to live over there then he went to harat again afghanistan then he went to nashapur iran then he went to rai iran then he went to baghdad then he went to wasit then he went to kufa and egypt and al jazira so he traveled all over the world to receive the ahadith and to collect this ahadith in very significant statement of imam bukhari which i would like to quote here which imam ibn hajar asqalani has quoted the shari of bukhari interpreter commented of bukhari and imam qustulani the interpreter of bukhari every imam who has written the commentary on bukhari has quoted this statement this is a very famous undisputed statement uncriticized statement unrebutted statement and a very significant point which i want to tell you you know some people think today they say we want to follow the mazhab and the practice of those who are now living in Saudi Arabia and Makkah and Medina because Islam originated from there Islam originated from there but 1500 years before <coughs> not from the hands of the present people <coughs> these were the days when someone could took could take into consideration the origin the place of origin of islam these were the days the early centuries of islam when this question was more appropriate to be taken into consideration he went to makkah 
and Hijaz and Shah everywhere. But Imam Azam Abu Hani, but Imam Bukhari himself says, "The Khalto ila Sham wa Misr wal Jazira marratain." He says, "I went to Sham, Syria, for collection of ahadis, and to Egypt and Al Jazira. Al Jazira, in fact, if you say now, is a portion, is a part, a territory." Which comes in between Syria, Iraq, and Turkey. The whole land between the, this is Al Jazeera. It was prolonged between Dajla and Farat. So he says, "I went to Syria. I went to Egypt. I went to Jazeera. Marratain, two times. The number of his visits indicate the number of ahadis which he could receive from there." The knowledge of hadith, what, how much was available in that land? This, in the number of visits, indicates this reality. Then he says, "Wa ilal basra arba amarat." Ilal basra arba marat. This is the place of Imam Hasan Basri. Imam Hasan al Basri, the great Tabi. The student and disciple of Sayyidina Ali Al Murtaza, radiyallahu taala anhu, and he is the Sheikh of Turuk, a Sufiya. And he played in the lab of Umm Al Mu'minin, Umm Salma, radiyallahu taala anha, Imam Hasan Al Basri. He played with Sayyidina Imam Hasan and Imam Hussein. He was born in the days of Sayyidina Umar. His mother used to work in the house of Umm Al-Mu'minin, Umm Salma radiyallahu ta'ala anha. And he was born there when he was small, two months, three months, six months, four months, up to two years. He stayed there up to 14, 15 years. So he used to take him to the house of Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Ahlul Bayt. Bayt al-Nabuwa, Umm al-Mu'minin, Umm Salma radiyallahu ta'ala anha. Whenever he cried, she took her, him in her lab. So he got brought up in the lab of Umm al-Mu'minin. And he is the one who became the founder of At-Tariqah, Wa-Suluq, Wa-Tasawwuf in the Ummah of Holy Prophet. He became the fountain of Tasawwuf and Ar-Ruhiyah. So he says that I went to Basra four times. Welcome to Bil Hijaz, Sittat Awam, and I stayed in Hijaz. It means in Makkah, Muazzama, and Madina Al Munawwara, six years. He stayed in Haramain for six years, and then a very significant. And notable, noticeable remarks which he has given. Then he says, "Wala ahsi, kam dakhal tu ilal kufa wa Baghdad maal muhaddisin." And this is countless my visits to Baghdad and Kufa. The number of my visits is countless. I can't count how many times I visited Kufa and Baghdad.
So what is the significance, relevance of Kufa? Kufa is the place of Imam Azam Abu Hanifa. Where he was born. So Imam Bukhari goes countless times to Kufa and Baghdad to receive the ahadith from there. And the one Abu Hanifa who was born over there, who lived over there, right from 80 to 150 and died in Baghdad. Imam Bukhari says that my number of visits to Kufa and Baghdad is countless. I just keep kept on going throughout my life again and again, repeatedly to receive as much knowledge of Hadith from these two cities as I could. And somebody thinks today that Imam Abu Hanifa, who was the man from Kufa and Baghdad, he couldn't receive so, so much knowledge of Hadith from their city. He is going just to these two cities to receive the maximum knowledge of Hadith over there. Why he went to Kufa? Let me tell this thing too, so many times. That Kufa had become the military army center and Kent army center of the companions and Sahaba and Islam in the days of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then it had become the capital of Islam, Darul Khilafah, in the days of Sayyidina Ali. And it is written in the books that over 1500 companions shifted from Haraman to Kufa. 1500 companions, Sahaba, they lived in Kufa. I think this was the maximum number of companions who ever lived in a city in the whole world. They left Makkah al-Muazzama, they left Medina al-Munabra because originally companions, most of them, they belonged to Haraman. When these lands were captured and Sayyidina Farooq Umar, he concentrated on Kufa because this was the headquarter for Persia, for Syria and closer to the Byzantine area and the Haraman Sharifan was quite far from there. So this became virtually the capital of Islamic world, which was touching the all territories around. It became the universal capital of Islam. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was appointed there as the chief justice. And companions started shifting there, migrating there. And the number of the migrants of the companions raised up to 1500 who lived in the city of Kufa. And Imam Ibn Siri, a great Tabi, says that I visited their Kufa and I saw 4,000 Tabi'in. They had their own sittings and delivering the knowledge of Hadith to the people. 4,000 Tabi'in. They were transmitting Hadith of Holy Prophets. So virtually the Kufa had become the biggest center of the Hadith of Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The biggest center the largest gathering of Sahaba and Tabi'in and the scholars and authorities of Hadith, they were found in Kufa. This was the place where Imam Abu Hanifa opened his eyes, where he was born. Where did he receive the knowledge of Hadith from? And he compiled in the light of these Hadith, Al-Fiqh al-Hanafi. 